Andrew, Jerry, welcome back to the Android Central Podcast. How are you? Welcome back, Daniel. Hey, thanks. Hey. It's been it's been a minute. It's been a it's been a couple weeks since we did a recorded podcast. It's been a lot of minutes. Yes. How many minutes, Jerry? Quick. Uh, in what? A, a million <laughs> and two. There you go. It sounds about right. Um, we were in New York two weeks ago for the BlackBerry Q2 launch, and we did an in-person live recording that uh, had had a couple of quirks and a couple of criticisms, Andrew, if you recall. Really? Because it was it was in it was in like multi-channel stereo, so it was oh, directional, yeah. and uh, we got a couple people complaining that they couldn't hear Russell because he was, you know, off in the distance and. Um, you know, they wanted to hear more Mr. Mobile and less Daniel Bader, so right, we we couldn't deliver. Yeah, well, it's that it's that uh, crazy mic that uh, Michael was using. Uh, it puts out two stereo recordings, so you you know, considering we were sitting, kind of, we had a four corners thing going on, so everybody kind of had their own channel. You just aren't pro enough to use Mr. Mobile's mic. <laughs> Don't we know can. it? And then we saw his review of that the mic me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't take advantage of the equipment that I have." Let's put it that way. Um, oh man, no, that's 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 not what I meant at all. Um, heyo, heyo. So we are we are back after two weeks, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So let's get into it. We're actually going to revisit the key two because both of y'all have those phones in your pockets, and I do as well. Darn right. And uh, we're now allowed to kind of talk about it and give our impressions. And uh, review comes out next week. So look forward to that. And then we'll talk uh, a little bit about what's happened in the world of Google over the last few weeks. YouTube Music's launched and has proliferated into many countries. It's now in 17 countries. Android Messages on the web is a thing, finally, which is kind of neat. And uh, then we are going to talk about a couple of the new Chinese phones that are turning our heads. The Vivo Next, you were in... Shanghai, Beijing, mm-hmm. where were you? Shanghai. Shanghai. For that launch and uh, sister company from another mister that Oppo doesn't like to talk about or Vivo doesn't like to talk about, uh, the Oppo Find X is another interesting phone. And then if we have time, we will end with some uh, chat on the AT&T Time Warner merger slash insanity because that's an $85 Massive billion deal that nobody... Nobody expected would be as easy as it was. Uh, there were a lot of problems with the government's um, with, with the government's take on the whole thing, and, um, and and I'm sure Jerry has a similar take as well. Dude, so, I run better than the government, and I'm in a wheelchair. <laughs> indeed, in freaking deed. So let's talk key two. Uh, this is a a phone that. Um, it's certainly not Galaxy S9 level. It's probably not even LG G7 level uh, in terms of sales. But Andrew, what mm-hmm. have, as somebody who doesn't typically use a key one or BlackBerry in general, what's your impression so far? Well, yeah, I was super excited to actually spend more time with the key two because I used the Priv for about a hot minute and the key one for like a hot 30 seconds. Uh, in relation to the fact that I've had this one since uh, Wednesday, I guess it is. And um, it's, it is, 
it's nice, actually. It, it's fun to go back to a keyboard. Um, I'm sure, as we'll talk about later, it's also extremely frustrating to go back to a keyboard. Uh, <laughs> I was just writing this editorial that went up today talking about pop-up cameras and how it's kind of the the evolution of the slider phone. And I kind of talked about the history of how we went through the, you know, the vertical sliders and then the horizontal sliders and we kind of got away from the keyboards over time and to come back to it there's this nostalgia factor but then there's also this frustration of you've learned all these other ways to type you've learned how to use swipe keyboards and voice dictation a ton and you know typing in on one hand on these virtual keyboards that you can kind of slide over to be able to reach with your thumb with only one hand and you've used all these other tools and I, I'm honestly just at probably half the speed with the physical keyboard right uh, right now as I usually am just typing on Gboard on glass. Jerry, is it <laughs> is it us or is it that no, you really can't type faster on a physical keyboard than you can on a virtual well, one? Daniel, I'll bet you could if you stuck with the key too long enough to bring it back because you used the BlackBerry for so long. Andrew, I know. Andrew will probably always be faster with Gboard because he doesn't have, you know, yeah, the, I wasn't the, a the huge years Blackberry it would take, user. Right. We used Blackberries for years and it just starts to become natural if you just do it every day, all day long. And that's, that's why I like it. I don't even have to think it just came back when uh, I had the priv and, and I'm in love. I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of in a different boat here because I do have that, um, that immediate recognition, the, 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 the sort of ghosts of BlackBerry past are mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. back to me and I feel comfortable using the phone as I did with the Key 1, even though the Key 2 has a better keyboard and it's much more like the Bold 9900, which was my jam. I used that for many years. Um, but I've used Blackberries all the way back to 2008 with the Bold 9000. So I have a lot of experience, but it doesn't feel natural. And I feel like it's probably because we've come to retrain our brains to rely on autocorrect as far more yeah. than, uh, than we used to with the BlackBerry in the past. And on the one hand, I feel like I'm objectively faster typing. If I had to peck at a virtual keyboard without autocorrect, I would be much more accurate on a BlackBerry every day, like every, ten, yeah. every day, every time. Um, whereas because we have retrained ourselves to rely on Gboard or SwiftKey or any number of these autocorrect systems that tend to be fairly accurate and more intelligent over time. Um, I wonder if it's just a deficiency of the current uh, autocorrect dictionary on the key two, or if it's an implicit reliance on touch ac- or on type accuracy that causes the key two's virtual autocorrect to be less aggressive. So the one thing that, yeah, so that is an important point that the key to does have autocorrect and, you know, you can jam, you can jam out on it. And if you mistype a little bit, there's, you know, there's correction there, especially for things with, you know, apostrophes, if you're trying to say we're or that's or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, it'll pick that up. You don't have to put in every single one. But I think that the one difference is when you're talking about a physical keyboard, I'm trying to pick it up and feel what I'm thinking here is you have to press the correct key 
if that makes any sense. When you think about it versus a, a virtual keyboard, there's error detection just in the recognition of what key you're pressing that gives you this gray area around each key. It's not defined in the same way as a physical keyboard where you actually have physical switches underneath every single one. And so if you go to hit J and you hit you know the corner of I instead, there's a good chance that you just hit neither one and you're the, it just doesn't actuate or you hit both. And so that's going to start messing with um, what is clearly just a, you know, your kind of standard limited autocorrect system in a way that you don't have that problem as much on a virtual keyboard where it's predicting that gray area anyway, and it may just select the right letter from the start, if that makes any sense. So I think that that's part of the issue, just the, uh, and Daniel, I know I was talking to you just about the necessity of being extremely accurate with your thumbs. And if you don't hold the phone perfectly, uh, you know, symmetrically in your hands, you're going to have thumbs that are traveling a different amount. And, you know, just like everybody types on a, on a desktop keyboard, there, there are just a lot more idiosyncrasies to, to working the physical keyboard on the key too. You know, that that's another thing that maybe Daniel can be familiar with that you will never be. I can put my thumb on it and move my thumb until I know it's on the D key because there's a dot on it. Mm-hmm. And from there, I know where every key is. I don't know where the keys are on the key, too, yet. And I do press two keys at once sometime. But give me a week or two and I'll be fine. I liken it to writing, to physically using a pen to write on paper. It feels alien when i do it these days it feels like the muscle (laughs) that i used to be so uh familiar with and that motion that used to feel so normal in school is no longer there and writing is my writing is messier it it falls back to this sort of scribble that you you default to when you're not as confident with your writing and i think that if I was forced to write everything that I type for a week, my hands would get stronger, my 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 muscles would would familiarize myself, you know, f- would get more familiar with the motion again. And I think it's the same thing here. I'm going to use this. I've only had it now three days, so not a whole lot of time. And I feel like by the time that the review comes out, it's still not going to be enough time. Whereas with somebody who's used a key one throughout 2017 and into 2018. And if you're upgrading from the key one to the key two, there's very little adjustment that's going to be necessary here. So on the one hand, you know, when I'm reviewing a phone, I'm reviewing it for everybody. I'm reviewing it for people that are going to be considering this from an iPhone or a Galaxy or an old (laughs) Blackberry or anything. Most people are not coming from another hardware keyboard. Right. Nobody, uh, very few people are coming from a key one, but but that's because the key one's only a year old. But there are people, a very small number, that are legacy BlackBerry users that are going to have skipped the key one and go to the key two. That's a very small number of people. But when I talked to representatives from the company in New York, they were saying that this phone, they believe much more so than the key one, is going to expand the hardware keyboard market in general, that people are going to see this as a much more modern, much more capable, and much more you know, smartphone friendly device. And it's for those people that I think this transition is going to be really interesting. 
So that's one thing I've started to notice that I, I really like is this isn't just dead space when you're not typing. Um, I've set up all of the, you know, not all of the possible shortcuts, but a ton of shortcuts. Uh, you use the keyboard to launch into different apps that saves you that extra time of reaching up for the uh, the multitasking uh, button or going home and going to the app drawer. Um, you can, of course, use it as a trackpad to um, scroll through things without obscuring the screen, which is great because, of course, you don't have as much usable screen in the first place. But, you know, when your thumb isn't sitting up there to scroll it, you know, that's a little bit of a, a helping hand as well. So I'm, you know, I'm starting to realize the utility there outside of just typing, but it just <laughs> it's still a tough hurdle to get over. Um especially when typing, you, you know, you can tell it's so much slower. It's still a tough hurdle to get over having that um, thought that it's dead space. I'm trying to look into how I can make Google Assistant actions as a shortcut that you can use in Android, that mm. I can make a BlackBerry keyboard key shortcut to do a Google Assistant action. If I can write a little app that does that, that'll be nice. I can whip it out and hit the W and hear the weather and what traffic is like. So I think that's a, a good example of it, this still really does feel like a, a power user kind of phone from that perspective in that you have all of this extra functionality hiding behind key combinations and things like that. And I think that that's probably one of the most frustrating parts about the typing experience is the uh, symbol input because if you like you were talking about with knowing where the keys are, it's going to take me a long time to fit, you know, to just inherently know where these common symbols are that we're so used to just using as long press actions in a regular soft keyboard. And right now it's incredibly frustrating. I end up just hitting the symbol button to pull up the on-screen symbol viewer, which is just hilarious because now you lose half of your available screen. That's already small. But but once you get past that, you know, you have all of your numbers and your usual symbols as alt keys on the keyboard. And if you get really good at that, which I know some people are, it's 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 amazing. But the problem is that it's just not easy to pick up from the start, just like you have to spend all the time to set up your shortcuts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and without it, you're really not using the keyboard anywhere near its full potential. If you're just using it for typing, then you're not using it anywhere near uh, what it's capable of. And it, it does start to become wasted space at that point. So my thing is, on a higher sort of f philosophical level, um, when you think about transitioning away from physical keyboards and this notion that having on-screen keyboards allows you more space in general when it's not there. You know, the whole criticism about the trios and the Blackberries of the past around, you know, 2007, 2008, when the iPhone was announced and when early Android phones were coming out. I mean, early Android phones had keyboards, but they were slide keyboards. Um, and the first, um, you know, the HTC Dream, the, the original Droid, they they were all trying to create these hybrid devices that were both one step in the past and one step in the future. But 
my thing is this if blackberry is ever going to just feel like more than a nostalgia play there has to be some sort of understanding that you can be net better or net faster or net more efficient sure. with a phone with a keyboard there has to be some objective truth to the presence of the keyboard and i feel like they're trying this with the with the action key or or the speed key with the fact that you can use it as a trackpad with the fact that you can do more than just use it as a keyboard right but i i wonder like if i were to force myself just to use this one phone for the next 12 months would i end that experiment feeling like i was better for it or if or if i was missing out on the potential of having just this blank slate on which to do whatever you want well i i think the way to evaluate that is to you know for us to quickly move on beyond the keyboard and talk about you know the rest of the phone experience because you don't want to feel like you're giving up on speed or display quality or build quality or battery life or camera or anything like that because as soon as you start giving up on those you know giving up those things the keyboard has to be that much better to come out you know net positive right yeah And, but uh, on the key too uh, come on it's you the, the keyboard is the device it is you know, but we, we I mean, want Andrew's, everything to be good but it, it's but hard the thing to, is that the you know the key one was the keyboard and everything else was just kind of meh right not everything but the design was just kind of meh the camera was just kind of meh and and the the screen was you know you really were giving some stuff up um and i feel like a lot of the key too is just blackberry mobile going you know checking boxes like that's what i said in my preview is that it's more of the same but it feels like every single major criticism leveled against the key one has been addressed here. Mhm. Mm and 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 I don't think for the best in every area. Oh, well, dish it, dish it. Oh, I I I hate the uh the way it's built and the the, the solid squareness. Really? Yes, I'll get used to it, but the key one if if you've got one there pick it up. The back and the sides were were shaped a little different. And if you use that keyboard you know with just your thumb without paying attention that that matters that matters a lot and that's something i'm going to have to get used to and maybe i will maybe i'll think it's it's great but right now i i wish it felt more like the key one because that's what i'm used to using it's too light uh i, I know nobody wants to light, carry well i think it's two parts it's light but it's also top heavy okay yeah it's you have to hold it you you have to actually hold it in your hand it doesn't kind of just fit and again maybe that's because i'm absolutely used to the key one and no, i expect it to I'm be the same no cuz i'm feeling the same thing i'm feeling okay. the exact same thing it's it's light and because it's a little top heavy if you're trying to hold the thing in one hand you kind of usually have that bottom grip and right. it feels like it's going to fall over now, your now index finger and flip forward. Imagine that bottom grip without your thumb being part of it because you're using your thumb to type. Yeah, that's, not, that's it, it's yeah. it's really hard to type with one hand on this, especially I, I, I was trying to walk down the street and type out a message, I had to <laughs> I had to stop. <laughs> 
and step off to the side of the sidewalk and use two hands. I felt like I was going to drop it. I think I'll be able to adjust, but right now it's not as comfortable to use. So, I mean, that that's the other thing too, right? Like, Andrew, you've reviewed basically every major phone of 2017, 2018. Mm-hmm. They are not one-hand friendly either. Nope. Um, right. You know, I'm using, I'm back to using the Pixel 2 right now, the the baby Pixel. And this is a dream compared to, <laughs> you know, every other phone because I don't have to worry about this phone when I'm holding it in one hand. But at the same time, um, you know, Blackberries have always been two-handed devices. They've always required, if you want, they always, they they require your full attention, you know? Like, yeah. and I don't, I don't mean to say that, like, because people famously in meetings were touch typing behind, you know, under a desk while they're pretending to listen. <laughs> Those are the people that really took the BlackBerry name and ran with it, right? The the secret BBMers, the ones that were typing out emails because they were addicted to the red light. I mean, these are the kinds of people who are going to be in love with the key too. Um, and, and there is a little bit of that there. But Andrew, you brought up a good point, right? This would be nothing if the phone itself was a dog. And BlackBerry Mobile has upgraded the SoC to the Snapdragon 660. There's six gigs of RAM in here. When we talked about this two weeks ago, we had no impression about how it would fare. And now we, I think at least, we have a good sense of whether mm-hmm. BlackBerry hit the mark. Um, and, and I haven't noticed much in, in the way of slowdown. I haven't noticed much in the way of stuttering. I think that they've addressed the major concerns yeah. around performance. And the operating system, it's running 8.1. So there's a little bit of maturity there. The key one is still running Nougat, which is unfortunate and it's, it hasn't received um, Oreo yet, but it will. So, you know, Jerry, what's your take on, on just the overall phone-ness of the, of the key two? It's that it's a hundred percent better. Uh, you, and you nailed it with the, the, the stuttering is gone and now I'm stuttering up. If you use the key one or the priv, and you use the BlackBerry applications, you know what I'm talking about. It would sometimes, it would just stop. And it, it didn't stop for very long, but it just stopped and did nothing. And then it would start right back up. And uh, when the Key One first came out, Mr. Mobile and I saw that, and we were freaking out. You know, what's going on? We looked at things, and it was because it just didn't have enough RAM. So they released the upgraded black version with a little more RAM, and it got a little better, but now it's fixed. Uh, I would prefer that they optimize the software so it worked with less RAM, but the other way to fix it is to add enough RAM so it can do all the things that come with the phone without any problem, and that's a big deal. I think a lot of people listening to this are, if they haven't skipped already because they don't <laughs> want to listen to more stuff about the Key 2, I think, Jerry, they also want to know, why should the average person in 2018 care about a BlackBerry phone. And in the sense that, you know, phone design, and we'll get to the Vivo Next and the Oppo Find X later, but phone design has matured and it's very difficult for companies to stand out. Um, BlackBerry Mobile finds a way to do that with the Key 2. It finds a way to have a niche and and run with that niche um, in a way that very few others do. Is that enough, do you think? I don't, I don't know. I, in the back of my mind, I still come to 
if you don't want a keyboard, you don't care about this phone. Even if everything was the best in the world, 25% of the screen is taken up by a keyboard. Now, if we can't ignore that keyboard, the phone does have a really nice design. I like it. It may not be great to hold the way I want to type right now, but as far as looks and appeal, it looks really good. But I don't think that it looks that great for it to stand out from the crowd without the keyboard in it. I think they're depending on that keyboard. And look at just the the history of the the new um, TCL run BlackBerry Mobile is, you know the the motion and before that the DTEC phones like nobody cares if the thing doesn't have <clears throat> excuse me the the headline feature of having that keyboard because they're the only ones that offer it it's just it just doesn't matter if this if the key to it didn't you know they came out with one that was all screen had the exact same build but was all screen nobody would care especially at six hundred and fifty dollars yeah because you'd be insane not to buy a one plus six instead that's so true the keyboard this is makes it six hundred and fifty dollars uh eight hundred and twenty nine canadian so the phone's coming to canada on july 6th it's uh available at bell rogers telus and sastel in the u.s it'll just be unlocked available from Amazon and all the other online retailers, Best Buy as well. It'll run on T-Mobile and AT&T, so there's no indication that there's a CDMA-compatible version yet. Nope. Um, which is weird, because that was a really big deal last year, the fact that the key one ran on Verizon. And um, maybe it'll happen, but it, it's it's easy for BlackBerry to create a single SKU, right? It's easy because we've seen it done from other companies. Motorola's entire lineup, except for the play the uh, z3 play which makes no sense at all but their z actually wait i don't even know if the unlocked z3 play will work on verizon but um mm. it, oh yeah no i'm sorry i i apologize it, it will because all all oh, of okay. their phones now re- work on all four u.s carriers if if it's unlocked so it's not hard it's just that they would have had to get certification which perhaps they decided not to blackberry's also historically been really good at I don't know how it works in Canada, and I should. We're neighbors. But, Andrew, if you've noticed, whatever SIM card you stuck in there, your key one is kind of branded to that carrier. I stuck a a T-Mobile SIM card in my key one and turned it on. It activated the right stuff for T-Mobile Wi-Fi calling and T-Mobile visual voicemail, and it's completely compatible with all that stuff. If I erase it and do the same with an AT&T SIM card... It will do the same for AT&T's products. BlackBerry has always done that with an unlocked phone. It reads which, you know, company is it's the carrier that it's using when it when it first starts up. That's that's pretty unique in the Android world and that I think helps them a lot make a single SKU if they feel like they can ignore Verizon and Sprint, which I don't think they can. Nobody should. No. If you're trying to find success in the U.S., I mean, we've seen, although the OnePlus 6 or OnePlus phones in general haven't typically been hampered too much, we don't think, in terms of sales um, in the U.S., it, it is an, an, it's unfortunate, right, that you can't just put a phone in, a, a Verizon SIM in a, a OnePlus phone and have it I, just work. I think yeah. that the, and the difference there is that we, we saw OnePlus already announce, you know, quickly after launch that they had already 
uh, sold a, a million OnePlus sixes, they don't right. have any problems reaching large volumes. Uh, BlackBerry would love to sell a million phones that quickly. Oh, certainly. And, uh, of any kind. But the key to, of course, they would love to sell a million in a whole quarter or two quarters. That would be fantastic for them. So leaving out such a huge section of the market, it just it does seem very weird that that they didn't. I mean, especially with the fact that they didn't even partner with AT&T again, which was a partner, you know, for the for the key one. Even you know, so even if they didn't want to go through the trouble of making it compatible with CDMA and Verizon's LTE bands, they have one that's compatible with AT and T, and they couldn't even make a deal to get it in stores. But the the BlackBerry of old, and I realize it's a different company now with almost the same name. Verizon was their bread and butter. They, I mean, they were able to sell the Storm, and if you've ever used a BlackBerry <laughs> Storm, the only thing it was good for was to smash and throw away. But they were able to sell millions of them through Verizon sales contracts. Right, but that was in 2009. <laughs> I mean, the, Verizon didn't have the iPhone back then. Right, but that, they understand that Verizon has a, you know, all the customers that they, that they want. And I, it's hard for me to understand that they just don't care. I, I kind of think that something's going to be announced later, and that's just my gut feeling. But uh, on the other hand, we had a, a miniature version of this discussion with the Moto Z3 Play in which uh, Verizon and the other carriers, they know what sells. And on top yeah. of that, they know what doesn't get returned. You know what doesn't get returned? iPhones and Galaxy phones. Uh, those things, uh, they're easy to support. People come in knowing exactly what they want. They buy the thing and they don't bring it back. Like th- that's super important to carriers, not having to support it as much, not having to have uh, sit on a bunch of inventory and not having to manage a bunch of returns afterwards. And you know that that just wasn't going to happen <laughs> with the with the key one, key two. I think all three of us, which is crazy, um, especially at this time of year with all these phones, are probably going to continue using the key two. And um, we'll we'll circle back on this because it's an interesting experiment. It's an interesting experiment to see whether I will get annoyed enough with it that I will just stop yes. using it. Huh. And, and the the flip side, will something come along that catches my eye to make me want to use it more than the type of phone I'm most familiar with? So yeah, that is a good little experiment to have. All right, so we're going to take our first break, and we have a new sponsor this week, and um, we're pretty excited about it because it's it's an interesting idea. It's a company called Lightstream, and if you're not familiar with Lightstream, they they do quick loans online. So if you're looking to get a, a little bit of money, if you're in need of paying something off very quickly, if you want to buy a car, if you want to buy, uh, if you want to make a quick investment, there are ways that you can get money quickly. But this is not the shady version of that <laughs> because there are those out there, as we know. Lightstream is fully accredited and it basically uses your credit score to determine your interest rates. And what we're talking about this week is a debt consolidation loan, something that you can use to consolidate your credit cards, many of which would be higher interest rate credit cards. Uh, and put everything into a single loan at a very, very low interest rate. 
you can get between five and $100,000 of a credit card consolidation loan from 5.89% APR with auto pay. That is an enormous discount over many other types of loans and many other credit cards. Most credit cards have like 20% interest rates. So this uses your credit score. If you have good credit, this is an amazing way to take all of those credit cards, all of that debt, and consolidate it into one place. And if you want to learn more, all you need to do is go to lightstream.com slash ACP. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M, lightstream.com slash ACP. And I have to say this because it's legal. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount, terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com for more information. I should do professional ads because you hear that all the time and they don't (laughs) stumble and I didn't stumble on that and I'm pretty proud of myself. That's lightstream.com slash ACP to sign up and to get a really good 5.89% APR interest rate loan. And we thank them for their sponsorship. If, if you visit, do yourself a favor and scroll way down to the bottom and you'll see who's backing this. And it's a huge name that you know and trust. SunTrust. Because, okay, I didn't know if we could say it or not. Yes, it's, it's SunTrust Bank. They even signed their web certificate. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a legit company. This is not right. some shady loan you know, company. This, there's, I mean, they, they, I mean let, let's like go off script for a minute. The reason these companies... Pod, uh, they, they um, advertise on podcasts is because the 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 um, conversion on podcasts is is amazing, and the companies that tend to advertise on podcasts they know that people trust them. So if if shady companies start advertising on podcasts, the whole industry loses that credibility, right? And and then it, then it just becomes another place to dump bad ads. But I think right now. Companies know that podcast advertising, it's one of those, we're in this like golden era where the only companies that are signing up actually have good products to offer. And the podcasts are in such high demand that we can pick and choose the advertisers that we want. And I think that's really what's interesting here is that there's a synergy as opposed to on the web where anything goes. So, you know, if you're interested in learning why companies like Lightstream sign up for podcast ads, it's because they work and it's because the companies understand the business. And I think that's really interesting. So we're in a very cool place right now. Anyway, that's just another kind of side thing. Thank you again, Lightstream and uh, visit lightstream.com slash ACP. All right, let's talk about Android messages um, <laughs> because this is a this is something that, you know, we've been talking about forever. Um, RCS, you know, is going to save our, uh, our 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 Android messaging woes. We're not quite <laughs> there yet, Jerry, but um, we're getting there. This this little this little feature messages on the on the desktop is is a good start. Tell us about it. Well, it's I, I don't I know nobody has used Allo, but it works the same way. <laughs> you 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 have to have your phone turned on, and your phone has to. You can't have it set up so. When it goes to sleep, it kills messages, and it doesn't do that by default. You would have had to have went in the settings and forced it to do that. So you you go to the website with your phone, and you scan a, a QR code, and it pairs it through your Google account. 
and your SMS just comes to your computer, just like, you know, Hangouts used to do or, you know, just like WhatsApp, iMessage or WhatsApp. Yeah. And it it's we, we, we said that that was going to be part of RCS because it's simple to do with RCS. And this is the first step towards making a great universal messaging client. Still so, a lot of work, but we're getting there. my question to you, Jerry. Uh, I actually I love the feature. I love using it on WhatsApp. And so the fact that it's available for other things is awesome, too. Why doesn't why isn't it able to just sync my messages between my multiple phones as well? Well, because you're it's based on your phone number. I know, but if it's able to sync messages from my phone, you know, messages that come to my <laughs> phone, sync them to the web, why can't it sync them from my phone to the web, uh, you know, through an app interface on my other phones? Who's to say that's not coming? But uh Right now, the the messages app on your phone is tied to your SIM card phone number. I know you use Project Fi as well as Carrier SIMs. Which means I don't use Android messages. Right, and that stinks. So I've got it here, and I can't use it. It showed up this morning. But you know how that works. You have to use Hangouts to get messages sent to your Fi number on another phone. Yep, It, It won't work any other way, and that's... That's how it's set up now. I hope Google changes that. Wait, and maybe what? They... I thought they got rid of that. I thought no, they consolidated no. everything. No. Oh, it so used to be for... a Google Voice? Was that so, a... on your, right. so on your phone itself, the Project 5 phone, you can set Android Messages as your default messaging app. But if you want to be able to use, send and receive text messages on any device, you, ha- you can't do that because you have to use Hangouts. Right. And that's... We were told that's going to be going away and built into something else, but Project Five even said that it's going away. Yeah. I mean, it, it even says on a new Project Five phone, if you open Hangouts, it tells you right. to use Android Messages. But the problem is, you lose the ability to send and receive messages on on other phones. Now, now the fact that you could do it on the web is, you know, removes part of it. Most people right. don't need to send and receive on other phones; they just need the web, but. Well, I think that's because of, of how they just dumped uh, Google Voice and, you know, how, how they made big changes that you can't use Google Voice with a Project Fi number. It never could. And they probably didn't realize what they were going to be doing in two years. And it's set up in a not quite optimal way. But uh, that has to be next. Google has to address that because they would like people to use Project Fi. And right now... I would tell somebody, you know, if you want to use the same number on more than one phone, you're better off not using Fi and using what remains of Google Voice. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, there, There's just more and more little roadblocks. I mean, mm-hmm. it was never as great for number portability as uh, Project Fi wasn't always as good as Google Voice in that respect, but... With things like this, I mean, text messaging, it's just always been a nightmare between devices. And it's just so clear at this point when you use any other chat app that Hangouts mm-hmm. is just absolute garbage. Right. So. But, but I mean, the, the fact is that most text messages are not data based yet. Right. RCS is not well, enabled for more than a handful of carriers around the world. Right. So it would be very. Di- I mean, what what 
messages on the web does is it just mirrors your phone's text database. It does not upload your texts to the cloud. I'm fine with that. Mirror it to the other app, the other messages apps I have installed on other phones. But that would mean that they would not be stored if your phone was turned off or if it didn't have a connection, right? Don't care. I was just, just let me have it with those caveats. (laughs) <laughs> because I mean, WhatsApp has the same issue, right? It has, it, for security yeah. reasons, it has a single instance that's tied to your phone number. And that's a reason that I don't use WhatsApp as much as I do Hangouts because Hangouts is everywhere all the time and it syncs re- pretty much perfectly. I mean, f- it's so funny that after all of these years, for me and my purposes, Hangouts is still the perfect multi-platform chat app, yep. right? I don't need more than that at all. I just need multiple devices plus the web. And that's pretty much it. But somehow we've come to the conclusion as an industry that WhatsApp's method is the way to go to tie to a phone number. And Allo tried that and failed miserably. And now we're back. Google's backing away from Hangouts and moving towards RCS, which technically is more open, not less, but it's still not going to have cross device sinking as far as i know yeah for for us that's that's an issue because i mean this has been the the longest term issue of people that use multiple phones is bringing your phone number around so even whatsapp is not as big of an issue because you can you know you can download the um the messages and re-upload them and you know start a new instance on a different phone like only on android right but that does work with android messages the only way to do that is to move your SIM and continue to receive, you know, what is essentially just SMS. And all of us have moved away from SMS by this. Right. Point. And and that's one thing we need to remember. This is still SMS. This isn't Hangouts yeah. or WhatsApp or another type of digital chat. This it's is, not even really it's not a replacement for those at all or, or no. a competitor. This is just improving the SMS right. experience for those that never left. I, I I don't want to install a hundred different messengers to talk to my family and friends. You know, I, I use SMS to talk to most everybody. Uh, my wife uses Allo because she loves the stickers and I'm on it and she can bug me about whatever she feels like bugging me about. But other than that, I use SMS because everybody can get SMS uh, and it's free in, in America. It's free with your cell plan. So it's convenient. I like to see SMS get better but in no way do I think that it is a replacement for a WhatsApp or a Facebook Messenger or a Hangouts or any other app that's got all kinds of features that SMS does not have. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, again, like we, we keep having to say this, but we are not the typical person who right. uses a phone, right? We Typical people only have one phone. They don't switch SIM cards. So having this instance of messages on the on the web is really the... It like fulfills 90% of most people's use cases. And as carriers upgrade to the RCS standards and your text messages become a data stream instead of piggybacking on the voice line, it can, they can enrich it and it can be more like a WhatsApp. But if they do that now, what a few users on Sprint in North America will be able to use it and nobody else. So it's not worth doing right now. So, I mean, let's just talk about the next steps here for for Google and installing RCS on everybody's phones, right? We've gotten commitments by 
every major carrier that we care about, right? All right. four U.S. carriers have now agreed to sign on, sign on for this um, new version of Android Messages. Um, when is it coming, Jerry? What, what's the next step here? The carriers are, are next. Uh, everything needed to, to display or to initiate and send a, a rich message is on your phone already, and it's on your computer. It's if you use Chrome or Microsoft Edge or Firefox or Safari, it doesn't matter. It's, it's built in. All of those operating systems support the baseline that's needed to display and create an RCS message. But it can't go anywhere because the phone carriers can't accept it yet. So we're just we're just waiting. And when the phone carriers initiate whatever they need to do on their end, and I'm sure it's very complicated, I'm not trying to badmouth anybody at, at any carrier, then Google will be able to ramp it up and start doing things that, that some of us laugh at, like, you know, four different color of emojis or stickers or animated gifs or all this other stuff they they've got that in their other chats it's ready they can just plug that in as they update the app for the phone it's it's ready to go so what end of the year maybe maybe it's i don't think we're going to see a big budge until at&t or verizon flip a switch for at least you know half the country and and you know a lot of people can use it. If if Sprint would finish their rollout tomorrow, that's not going to be enough to move the needle. Unfortunately, no. I think uh, that's a lot of the problem too. Is well, there's there's the technical part, but there's also the messaging part. Uh, you know, pun intended. How do you tell people that this is happening? I mean, I understand that eventually it'll just people kind of just figure it out. They'll be in a group chat or whatever, and they'll be able to send different yeah. things and all that. But that's just going to take a long time to permeate. And especially if you think about you know different people on something like prepaid carriers or whatever, or you have a group text message, um, you know, between me and Daniel and Jerry, it, you know, uh, across Canada and the U.S. It's like, what, it, you know, when do we know that all the stars align and you can use all this stuff? I, I, you know, the the good thing is, is it doesn't matter. It it will still work just the same as your text messages app. You'll still get forever. lowest common denominator. Right. Yeah. But that, that brings up another problem that carriers need to solve is uh, you can still buy prepaid voice only plans that include free texting. And there are a lot of people that use them. RCS is data. How is that going to be worked in? Are are they going to get a free data allotment for messaging? And I hope that's how it's done. It's not like you're talking gigabytes of data you're going to use every month. Right. Well, and they there require are, people to get a small plan. I, I don't know what they're going to do. And there are, speaking of that, there are also prepaid plans where um, you get one gigabyte of data and that's it. You don't get a bit more. Uh, they don't do this this stuff where they're just going to start giving that away to people. Right. Um, it, what happens to your you know your group chat with RCS as soon as your data runs out because you watch too much Netflix? You, you could certainly probably use a hundred, two hundred megabytes, maybe three hundred megabytes a month on a big group chat filled with gifs and stickers. I could see that happening. So that that's a real concern. I I wanted to talk a little bit about YouTube Music, but I. I want to dedicate a, a bit more time than we have to it. So what I'm going to do is next week, we're going to have a special 
YouTube music slash streaming music focused podcast. And our music editor, Ara Wagoner, is going to come on and she's going to talk about it with me. And maybe Jerry or Andrew, if you want to join, you can you can uh, grace us with your thoughts. But I think we're going to skip that for now. What, what do you say? Good. Because that is fine. I'm confused as hell. Yeah, we, I think we need Ara here. Yes. And, we need and this Ara is, here to explain it to us. This is my job, and I'm confused, so that's great. Um, so before we do that, then, we're, we're going we're gonna to go to one more sponsor, and, and this is a sponsor that, if you've heard on the show before, you, you know it. It's, it's Thrifter. Thrifter is the place to go for all of the great deals out there, and OMG, there are some <laughs> serious deals right now. There's... I mean, we're, we're in the run-up to Amazon Prime Day, so Amazon uh, Thrifter is kind of putting together all of these pre-Prime Day deals that Amazon is pushing. Um, you can actually sign up for a Prime Day newsletter, which you'll get in your inbox. That'll be separate from the regular Thrifter newsletter, but it'll give you everything that you care about when it comes to Prime Day. Um, I don't even know when it is. When is Prime Day? It's coming up I feel soon. Like though. Prime Day is just all the time. <laughs> it probably it <laughs> might as well be. Um, and uh, it's it's an interesting experiment in how much money can you spend in a single day? Because every year I somehow beat my my previous record. It's amazing. Um, so as we do every week, we go around and we talk about our favorite deal. And uh, Andrew, I, I know that you've been preparing for this because I, I heard you frantically <laughs> moving your keyboard and mouse in the background there. So what's Ruh-roh. what's your pick for this week? Well, I did have one pick uh, and then I picked a different one. So there's a RAV Power multi-port USB uh, hub type thing. Well, it's a US multi-port charger, I guess. But this one has four USB-A ports and a USB-C port that does 45 watts of output with power delivery so yeah a lot of these multi-port um chargers have only 30 watts of output on that usb-c charger which is not enough if you have something like a 15 inch macbook pro or you know you're editing photos or video on a on a 13 inch macbook pro it's just not enough output to really charge it up but this one does 45 watts which is getting pretty close a lot of the output on the the stock chargers for these are usually 60. So 45 is getting there, but it also has another 15 watts on top of that to output to four USB-A ports. And it's only 25 bucks, which is pretty amazing. Uh, it's got really good reviews on Amazon. Rav Power has been around for a long time. They do good stuff, but uh, black or white for 25 bucks. I think, let's see, it was 23 when Drifter posted it, but even at 25, it's great. I was looking at that, and you stole mine, so hate you, but uh, that's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah, those so Rav Power is one of those companies that you see when you search for things on Amazon, and you never know if it's good, and then you look at the reviews, and they're all like four and a half to five stars, and you're like, okay, this is a company that just makes products that you won't see in stores. It's basically just an Amazon brand, right. but that's okay yeah. because everybody buys everything from Amazon anyway. And um, it's available for one-day shipping. At least exactly. for me, because it, it's it, available from Amazon directly. It's good stuff. Most importantly, it's it's. You remember when USB C was new and you didn't know which cables would make your world go up in flames? Rav Power was right there from the start. They make good stuff. Okay, Jerry, what's your pick? Okay, if you've got one hundred and ninety nine bucks and you're not sure what to do with it, and I know that's a lot of money, 
You can get an HP mixed reality headset. I don't have one, but I have used one. And I'll be honest, it's not quite up to par with an Oculus Rift or an HTC Vive, but it's also three to $400 cheaper. But it's cool. I mean, it is, it's hard to describe what good virtual reality is like. It's miles above what you can get with your phone. And I know we don't like to say that around here because we're all about phones, but it's a completely different way to use VR. And if you're at all interested in it, you're saving over a hundred bucks by, and this is a new model. It's not like these are old and laying around and it's really easy to use and it's cool. Yeah. I, I haven't tried mixed reality. I, our friends at windows central swear by it. And you know, I, it's one of those things where it's all about the content, right? If you don't have the right content, it doesn't matter how good the hardware is, but windows 10 has embraced mixed reality in a very utilitarian way. It's not necessarily about playing games as it is about like exploring educational you right. know, experiences and stuff. And, you know, you can paint in, in mixed reality, like, like you can in on, on Vive. Uh, there's a lot of interesting applications that I believe are free. Uh, Microsoft's invested a lot mm-hmm. in, in making it free for people. So yeah, I'm, you know, by all means, if you're a Windows user, go right ahead. Um, not that you need my permission, but whatever. <laughs> um, all right, so mine is I'll, I'll I, I'm like going between two, but I'm just I'm just gonna go for it. So the here's the thing, right? This is not actually so. Okay, let me let me back up. I got a Nest Hello video doorbell the other day. I installed it. It's the best decision I've made in a very long time. I had a ring. And it was fine, but ring when somebody would ring the doorbell, it would take about three to four seconds for my app to load and for me to be able to talk to the person at the end of the other Ooh. other end. Um, I think because Nest is just faster and has a it's is a little bit better, it has a better camera, and the the Nest app is just not hot garbage. The app loads in about half a second. I can talk to somebody almost immediately. The quality is better. And right now at Best Buy, if you're a member, so you actually have to be a Best Buy member, which is free, but um, you have to sign up for a membership at Best Buy and you get a Nest Video, Nest Hello Video Doorbell and a Google Home Mini for $200. So together, they cost about $278. So you save 78 bucks, you get this doorbell. And if you have Nest equipment at home already, like a Nest Cam or a you know Nest thermostat or a smoke detector, it just integrates right into your ecosystem. I cannot recommend it enough. The installation was super fast, and honestly, I've had zero problems with it. I yeah, I love it. It's it's fantastic. So uh, go to Best Buy, s- sign up for their newsletter, and uh, you can get it for two hundred bucks. And uh, yeah. Go to thrifter.com if you want to check out all these deals and more. I bought right, a ring. Uh, no, go I, ahead. I, I, go ahead. I bought a ring doorbell the week that the Nest Hello was announced, right right before it, it was announced. And I don't know, I, I kind of want to kick myself every time I think about that because I, I totally would have rather had bought this for less money than I paid for the ring because of what you said about the app being a mess. Yeah, the Ring app is terrible. If they can get their act together, I don't know if it's bad on iOS, but on Android, it's not very good. So, I've, I've heard universal complaints about it. The late, the latency in the app just being bad. The thing about, okay, so aside for a second, the thing about the Nest that I love is that it has a timeline. So you literally scroll 
through this lag-free timeline. And if you have a Nestaware account, which costs five bucks a month for five days of video storage, you can go five days back and just flick back and find the exact moment that you wanted to check. There's face notif- uh, face verification. So if there's somebody who um, the Nest has seen before and you've identified in the app, this is not stored in the cloud, by the way. This is just uh, stored on the device itself. So only only members of your family can see uh, if they're a part of the Nest family, whatever, inside the app. Um, it'll say like, Jerry's at your doorbell. And I'm like, what? Jerry's here? It's Canada. Why is he here? How did he get up my <laughs> stairs? Um, and yeah, it was, it was you know, that's amazing to me. Like I have a, a bunch of Google Homes around and it works with Assistant and I just knocked my water over because I was so excited. Oh my God. Okay, this is a mess. Anyway, um, let's 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 move on. Andrew, you were in Shanghai last week. You checked out a very cool new phone. And while I clean up this water, tell us about the Vivo Next, please and thank you. This this thing is crazy, and it would have been crazier if we hadn't already seen a lot of it um, unveiled, kind of you know at its individual components. Um, at CES and MWC this year where Vivo trotted out these two different concept phones where, can you remember that? I think, can you remember what they called it at first? But it was the Apex concept phone after that where they said, look at all this crazy stuff that we're working on. We have this really, really tiny bezeled display with no notch. And the way we accomplish it is we use an in-display fingerprint sensor and we use a pop-up camera out of the top and we embed other sensors underneath the screen. We put some sensors on the edges of the bezels and all kinds of crazy stuff like that. And then it was only a couple months later that they just announced the Nex, which is an uh, I don't know if it's supposed to stand for anything, but it's all capitalized as if it's, um, I don't know, branding is really bad. But you'll see it, uh, it's being advertised a ton around the World Cup, which is hilarious because um, it's only going to be sold in China and India. And that kind of just aligns with Vivo's overall um I don't know, I guess mission right now, uh, their software is very much tuned for, for China specifically, not even just Asia at a, as a larger market. But anyway, the Vivo next, uh, the best way I can describe it is it just feels a little bit more futuristic than everything else. So you've seen this pop-up camera thing, and I'm sure we'll talk, talk about the Oppo find X as well, uh, doing its pop-up thing, but it's not just about the camera. It's about all of those other sensors. And Jerry, I'm sure that you can appreciate how difficult it is to put all of these sensors underneath the the display. So they're doing Absolutely. Um, proximity sensor, ambient light sensor, and a fingerprint sensor all underneath the display. I mean, the, this has to be difficult, right, Jerry? I mean, there's yeah. a reason why well, other companies right. don't do and this. It, it involves a lot of work to the actual layer that shows things on your screen the leds are ground to project their light in a certain pattern and if you put a sensor there that can't interfere so there's a lot of custom work around that and it's completely undetectable um like the the early versions of the in-display fingerprint sensor when the screen was off you could kind of look at it at a tight angle and see that it was underneath there I can't notice that on the Vivo Next. I'm sure you could 
maybe notice it if you look really closely, but you can't see the other sensors because they're so tiny. And it's just awesome. You, you really appreciate that like this could, you know, th- this is just going to be available and Vivo is probably going to sell a lot of them because uh, Vivo's whole idea with the next was that it's no compromises. So they gave you this giant screen with no notch and almost equal bezels. I I'm a little bit upset that they couldn't go all the way of making the bezel on the top and bottom the same. Uh, I think they could have done, they actually could have done better by everybody by just, I mean, I, I understand that they just made their bezels as small as possible and the bottom bezel has to be slightly large because it has to have the the point where the display panel folds underneath to be able right. to connect to the board. But I think that they actually would have gotten away with it better had they just made the top bezel larger to make it equal with the bottom one. But that's a whole nother discussion of bezels. The big thing is they did all of this crazy stuff, but the phone just feels like a normal phone. It's a little on the large side and a little on the heavy side, but it also has all of the top end specs, lots of storage, a large battery. The display looks pretty good. It's it's only FHD plus. It's not a QHD plus display like on you know the HTC U12 plus, uh, LG G7, Galaxy S9 plus, stuff like that. But that's really the only compromise. Everything else is totally normal. And even the camera, it just when you switch to the front facing camera, it just pops up and you don't need to use it for facial recognition because you have the fingerprint sensor. And uh, it, when you switch back around to the rear camera, the little periscope just goes down. It's a nice privacy feature because you know it's never turned on. And if it is, it'll pop up. And also they've designed it in a way where if you drop the phone with the camera put um, out, if it feels any sort of a force, it retracts. Uh, the motor in there is strong enough to lift five times the phone's weight. So Ooh. you can even se- you can set it down on the camera and hit the switch camera button and it'll lift the phone up. So it- it's plenty strong. They've set it up for, oh man, I'm probably getting the figure wrong, but something like 50,000 up and down cycles. Uh it's just not it's just not a problem. Uh, you're far more likely to wiggle loose and break the USB port or the headphone jack than you are this this up and down camera thing. Um, the only <laughs> the only problem is that, you know, nobody's ever uh, going to see this one in the Western markets. That's just how it is. It also runs iOS 11. so what how did daniel describe the software it was um like it's not a direct copy of ios 10 it's like the it's like a telephone like game of telephone version of ios it's like it's like if you if you gave if you gave an a, a child an iphone and then told took the phone away and then told the child to draw what oh, he or she, what he or she saw on the screen, that's what it would be, right? Like it's so over the top, cartoony. They yeah. they copy the the base Con- elements. The control center is there. The notification shades the same. All the colors, all the icons. There are uh, like there's a they have a cloud thing that's like I lowercase i space 
capital C yeah, cloud I, I or scrolled, whatever. It's, it's just insane. I scrolled down your post, and when I hit the screenshots, I well, there's a control center, and look at that calendar. This is iOS. It's they they did a faithful job of making it look like iOS without actually looking like iOS. Yeah, they have iTheme, iMusic. You know, they have their gesture controls. Did the same thing. It has the little gray bar at the bottom as the iPhone 10. Well, it's just it's you know what people can hate me for it but that's smart you copy what works yeah i mean i think it's just it's just shameless i I said i said in my hands-on it's both shameless and shameful (laughs) i i understand that it sells phones but my god it's so just blatant and it's hilarious because they have oh jesus it's named fun touch os I it's had to interrupt fun, you for that. Holy cow. It's called Fun Touch OS 4.0, too. Oh, my I mean, word. It, just in case you were wondering why this isn't coming out beyond <laughs> uh, China and India. But uh, they clearly have a lot of engineers and a lot of talented engineers to be able to put all this together from scratch. I mean, this is theirs. Um, it's not. The, but, OK, so I'm of I'm, I'm of the but opinion. That's what's hilarious. Like, spend the time doing something unique and original. No, but here's the thing, right? Like. As journalists, we are giving, we are lending credence to these companies that are so unabashedly plagiarizing another company's intellectual property. It's like we are, we are validating their decision to do that by giving, by by talking about companies like Oppo and Vivo in the same sentence as Apple and Google. And and I, you know, I understand that Android is open source and that Vivo and Oppo have every right in the world to change it to suit yeah. their customers' needs. But what they are doing is that they are not attempting to innovate at all on the software side. They are relying 100% on hardware to differentiate and relying on people's interest and inability to buy the iPhone in China because it's too expensive to to lure their customers in. And, you know, when you, went, you met with Xiaomi in... in uh, in, in Mountain View during Google I.O., you and Russell. Mm-hmm. And Russell wrote this really interesting piece about the way that Xiaomi is approaching coming to the U.S. But even Xiaomi, which has found a way to create, um, you know, MIUI is a little bit different now than it used to be. It doesn't, it's not, it still copies iOS almost exactly, but it's not an unabashed copy. It's not something that you would say, I mean, maybe it is, I don't know, but like, when I see MIUI compared to even Color OS or Fun Touch OS, I'm like, even even Xiaomi is trying a little bit harder here, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm, it's it's very frustrating to me, right, that some of the most innovative companies on the hardware side are not even attempting to make their software unique, or if or their version of unique is is to undermine the you know, you hate iOS all you want. That's fine. Hate Apple as a company all you want. But Apple does not, they don't spare a cent and when it comes to engineering their software. And they make they make opinionated decisions about what their com- what their customers want. And there are just companies that just go in and mine it for all its ideas. Okay, but it, yeah. let, let's be fair. iOS and Android are both that way. That's how they no, started. I, 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 they, I'm they, not... They, 
they copied existing software exactly almost but they did refine it i you're absolutely right what, they, what do you okay, so that. ios did not copy sure it did. existing it, 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 it not, not entirely i mean Android, Android did not copy exist. Uh, there are okay, uh, they, there are so many original ideas in early versions of iOS and Android, and I iOS in particular. I don't has, think I've ever seen any. Uh, okay. I mean, look at all the the Linux window managers or Next Step. It, it, it all existed before. It was a mess, and it took a company like Apple to take all the good ideas and make them work together with a little bit of coherence and appear the same, but. The ideas themselves aren't aren't new, and and we. No, oh, I think we're talking about we're a talking difference about between copying ideas and copying designs. But but also, hang on, hang on a second, Jerry. You're you're talking about d- adapting what was a mouse and keyboard modality, and before that, with Microsoft, with with um, with, with Windows Mobile, and 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 to some extent, Palm OS, they had adapted this this Windows based modality and brought it to the smaller display and optimize it for a stylus because that was what people understood and touch using your finger capacitive touch there is no question that that took a complete rethinking of of how one uses a smartphone and then you're pretending that symbian never existed i'm i'm not symbian was also symbian had it's Symbian had its feet in both worlds, and after the after the iPhone debuted, Symbian changed significantly. If you look at Nokia devices, they, they, did, they changed from, the way they looked. Yes, absolutely. No, no, no. I'm talking about I'm talking about Symbian itself. Early versions of Symbian that were enormously popular, they were not as touch friendly. They weren't touch friendly at all until 2009, 2010, 2011, and once Symbian when Symbian died. And, and, and Nokia started uh, experimenting with Mego and, and other Linux-based operating systems that were more built around touch. Oh, yeah, Symbian benefited from that, right? Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I, like, let, I, let's I be clear that, here. I'm not giving Apple all the credit, right? right. Palm I, deserves a considerable amount of credit. Um, Google I think that, deserves that, a considerable amount of credit. But when I see companies in 2018 unabashedly copying not just Apple, but every company not trying to make anything of their own it it just it's 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 infuriating do you like motorola software better than samsung's be honest wouldn't it be great if samsung stuck to what they were good at and built the best freaking phones you could buy and let google write the operating system for them yes maybe you should stick to what you're good at agreed 100 percent agreed i would but I, there's I, a complete sorry go ahead daniel no, no, no. I've, I've, I've talked and ranted for a few minutes. Go no, ahead. No, but I'm, I'm following your lead there. And yes, they, they should throw this mess away and just build Android and see how it looks and just try. The, the difference there is that Samsung, you can call Samsung software a mess, but it's its own mess. Right, right. It, I, it's I not agree. stealing somebody else's design. And that's why I was trying to earlier draw the line between uh, you know, ideas and functions and apps like that's different from just straight up copying the interface. Like I'm sure there are lots of extra things that, uh, that Oppo and Vivo and whomever else uh, and Xiaomi 
like I'm sure they have lots of good ideas and they've done lots of things. They have th- many things that are from the ground up actually unique to those phones, but it's completely blown. I mean, they could, they could not, <laughs> I don't know, but it's completely blown away by the fact that everything else is just a straight copy design wise for iOS. And that's, that's absolutely crazy. The le- The least you can do is acknowledge that there's a difference with what Samsung does or oh, what absolutely. LG does. I, like the, those are on a completely different level. They're I, a mess for a different try, reason. Right. I didn't try to equate the two. I was just saying that Samsung or LG, they're really good at making hardware. Some of the sure. best you can buy in the world. Their software lags behind. Even though it may be innovative and it's unique, it's just not quite on par with their hardware. And that's because they're better at making hardware than software. Whereas Oppo, they're really good at making hardware, but when it comes to software, they're just absolutely horrible. Yeah, they're they're really no better now than they were five years ago. They had to reach out and actually, you know, copy another company's user interface. It'd be great if they would just stick to the hardware and let somebody else write the software for them. I didn't mean Samsung should do that. They're not, they're not, they're not happening to copy somebody else's software this is a deliberate right um this is a deliberate attempt not to copy samsung or even google i mean they could easily take you know freshly built um stock android and make it into something that they like or you know run it without google uh, services right like you can still do that i'm talking about building android with the intent purpose of copying ios and i see what my mind never went there that they would want to do that to attract customers but i see what you're saying they did because okay if you look back to 2014 when the iphone 6 was announced right the iphone 6 and 6 plus apple had you know apple was doomed the iphone 5s was boring blah 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 iphone 6 comes out it's the top selling phone in china that year the iphone 6 plus was huge because people had been waiting for a larger iphone why wasn't the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus as successful the following year? Because companies like Oppo and Vivo saw what people wanted. They built an iPhone. They built Xiaomi the same. They basically built the iPhone and they sold it for half the price. And it makes sense, right? If you're trying to attract, if you're trying to steal customers away from the real McCoy, you build a copy. And I agree, you know, if you if you're just trying to make money, it works. But we are in a very different market today. And there are there's a lot of evidence to show that Vivo and Oppo, even though they're different companies, they have enormous resources with which to, yes. uh, to, to, to devote to both hardware and software. And they are making a deliberate decision not to do the latter. And I find that oh, to be absolutely. I, I find that to be so frustrating. That's horrible. To see it and here, it doesn't I, even. I was just chalking it up to lazy designers, but you, you're no. You're, what you're saying is so much worse. It, it's it's extremely deliberate, and part of it, of course, is pushed by the fact that, well, that customer in China was looking for an iPhone ish looking thing for half the price or less, or you know, may not even be available. They they wanted that. But Oppo has to be able, and uh, Vivo have to be able to take the high road and realize, okay, that was the thing we did, and whatever you can own up to it, you cannot. Doesn't matter. You need to start doing something different in 2018. 
this is like this is schoolyard stuff. That being said, and 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 I want I want to play devil's advocate for my own argument here for a moment. Love if, when you do that. If 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 Chinese customers are not looking for an Android phone, but they're intently looking for an iPhone, if they're going out and they want to buy an iPhone but they can't afford it, who are we to say that they shouldn't be buying uh, an Oppo right. or a Vivo device, right? Who are we to say that those customers are not being better served by Android that looks like iOS and well, works like iOS? Now, Andrew, did you have enough time with one to... It's not as locked up tight as iOS, I'm sure. I, I imagine it can oh, no, share it still data. Works. It's like an Android phone. It can share data between apps. and It's still an Android phone. Okay, the, so that, that's, that's the biggest thing. They haven't done the work to even make it iOS. It's, so, it's an Android phone. So maybe those customers that want something that looks and feels like iOS are better served by Oppo copying it the way they have and. Well, and the other part of it is that, to Daniel's point, there are strong alliances to phone brands and their individual software quirks more than Android as a brand. Because you have to remember, Google services are not available in China. And And for a lot of us, when we talk about having Android, what we really mean is we're talking about having Google services. Uh, We don't actually want a Samsung phone without the Play Store and without, you know, all of the Google right, apps. Right. Like, that's that's so, not what we want either. So we talk about Android. We really mean Google. And for them, there just isn't that tie to Android because Android is just... They may care about it because they can sideload apps in a way that they can't on iOS. But really, it's about what is available out of the box and what's available from Oppo or Vivo or Xiaomi or whoever else is providing it. And so... Uh, especially when we talked to Xiaomi, they talked about how they have to integrate all of these different kinds of features natively right. in the software as far as a, an email app and a music app and all this other stuff because that's really important because you can't just go to Google Play and have your choice of tens of millions of apps. It, Xiaomi's done an excellent job building a standalone operating system. And I often wonder... What's to prevent them from creating Xiaomi services that Oppo and Vivo could use? You know, I know the the Chinese state would have to approve something of that that sort, but Google could have a serious competitor in China if Xiaomi wanted to be that competitor in all ways. But they are. Uh-huh. I mean, Xiaomi yeah. is going public in, in Hong Kong later yeah. this year under the pretense that it intends not to make more than 5% margin on any hardware it sells. And the only reason it can do that is because it makes money on MIUI Mm -hmm. and MiSoft services. And that, I think, is so fascinating, that a company in China knows that margins on hardware are so low, in fact, they are are often negative, that they have to make up for it in terms of services. I I have a Xiaomi smart light, and... When I first got it, it worked through my Google account. I signed in, tapped the off button, and it worked. I could turn it on and off and change the color. Then all of a sudden, one day it stopped, and I had to sign up for a Xiaomi account and give them my phone number. It does the same things and more through Xiaomi's own back end in Hong Kong. So they they are doing some things. So I just wonder when are they going to go all out with it? Because I think they're capable. I mean, aside from that, you know, Andrew, we have the 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 Vivo Next that 
looks a lot like a phone, except it has this typical, it has this um, uh, pop-up camera. And then the Find X is is kind of even more interesting because it has an entire mechanism yeah. that rises every time you unlock the phone because it has basically a, a, a Face ID clone, for lack of a better word, plus it has a dual camera setup on the back, and that's all part of the same mechanism. It basically just has the entire what would normally be in the top bezel, the top like 10% of the phone is just on a movable object. I, I, I like the way Oppo is doing it a lot better than Vivo because I could see me breaking that little thumb. I'm sure it's Calling sturdy. it a thumb, that's yeah. funny. Well, I, that's what it reminds me of. It looks like a little thumb sticking up. Uh, the, the way Oppo is doing it, that's, that's sturdy. That's not going to break. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, look, there's there's a lot of that's what I I, the reason this engenders such passion in me is because these companies are so good at what they do. And I guess if the if what they do is not software, then what right do I have to be upset? They're using Android the way that it was intended to be customizable. Jerry, you talk about this all the time. That's why I'm so conflicted and being conflicted makes me makes me, you know, gets gets me in a tizzy. But but (laughs) what I what I love about it is that we're finally we're finally getting the solutions to the notch and it didn't take very long. Andrew, and you wrote a really interesting piece about this today, actually, that was announced that that came out. It's that these are these are stop gaps like the notch. They're just different takes on the notch right and they're better than the notch they don't well, take away usable screen real estate that's what a notch does it's just a different sort of trade-off i mean i basically just looked back at the way that we went from candy bar phones into various flip phones and sliders and all these other things that had trade-offs and then eventually made it up to smartphones but the problem with that is we went <clears throat> just a little too far and we went all solid state and the problem is that that meant that you couldn't necessarily get all of the hardware features you wanted into one place. And this is, was just a necessary step. I've said the exact same thing about the notch. It was just going to be a requirement as we figure out how to miniaturize a lot of the hardware that goes into that bezel portion or as uh, Vivo has done it, put a lot of it underneath the display. Now, the last area of this that just can't be solved is moving, especially when you talk about rear cameras, getting rid of those cameras. It, it's just not going to happen. They require too much Z depth in, in the phone. If you remember right before you left for Shanghai, you and I had a discussion. Uh, another company that's a little bit bigger in the West was working on some display tech where they could put sensors and maybe one day a camera in the display and then you go to China and boom here, you know, it's done already by a, sure. another company we didn't expect it from. So that's where these companies are all transitioning to They're, They want to move everything into the display, even the front facing camera. It's possible, but it's difficult and expensive. Do you want to pay $1,500 for all that R and D? No. So it has to go slow. Yeah. And you have to have this, this middle ground, but I mean, even when you talk about the way that I mean, Oppo is doing this very cleverly because they have all of the cameras hidden with this top yes. uh, little thing that moves. You know, you're not going to be able to hide the rear camera in the same way. You're going to have to do something clever with that. You know, it, it, there are always going to be trade-offs somewhere, but th- this just, this isn't 
a quick fad, nor is it, you know, like these are headline grabbing things like, oh my gosh, the little thing, you know, the little periscope comes out or the <laughs> entire top of the phone slides up. Like that's neat. But it's not just the, like these are solutions to major hardware problems. These aren't just doing it to do it. Um, the little Vivo one feels a little more tacked on, obviously, and not as well designed into it. But when you have every single time we post about a phone or talk about a leak of a phone that shows a notch, people lose their minds. They don't want a notch, apparently. Um, and it, then you have something like this instead. Like this is just, this is the step that we're at right now. It's not just for the for the fun of doing it, which a lot of hardware, you know, quote unquote innovation is, this is necessary right now. I, you know, and and that's what bothers me. Uh, in, in my past life, you didn't do things half-ass. If it wasn't ready, you didn't do it. You, there were no stop gaps. Uh, and that's what this feels like. This is, well, we want to make the display, you know, a, a three sixteenth of an inch longer but we have these sensors in the way. What can we do? Well, let's put a notch in there for now and we'll figure it out later. That just drives me insane. Not necessarily that a notch is a bad thing. I just hate why it's there. It's there because it's a temporary solution. And I hate seeing that. So these phones are not coming to the US, but Find, but Oppo rather says that the Find X, while it won't be sold explicitly in North America, I believe them they're going to make it available in North America. Uh, we're not sure yeah. exactly what that means yet because there's no price att- attached to it. There's no release date. Uh, it's it's a little bit less of a finished product than the than the Vivo Next at the moment. Um, but you know, this is an interesting divergence, I guess. You know, we have phones like the Galaxy S9, which you re-reviewed today, Andrew. That phone, I think, is kind of it represents the epitome of of you know modern modern design and how quickly modern design gets surpassed, right? When I look at the S9 today, even the S8, which is basically identical, I see a very beautiful modern phone. There's nothing wrong with this design. I don't I don't focus on the, the bezels. I don't focus on anything. I just think this is a really well-designed phone. I mean, obviously the curved glass has its own compromise, but that's a design decision that Samsung has stuck with. And I, you know, I, I respect that. You know, you, they're doubling down yes, on, on what works. But mm-hmm. I, I think that, there's no need to, uh, you know, Samsung will try to figure out how to minimize bezels year over year, and they will wait. Unlike these Chinese companies that don't want to wait, they want to iterate very quickly. If you look at OnePlus, which is owned by BBK, the same company that owns Vivo and Oppo, even though they don't, they don't want to admit it, OnePlus iterates every six months, if not earlier than that, right? Yeah, they have no reason to wait. And, and it's the same thing. These Chinese phone make, manufacturers release like 20 phones a year because they can because they can go from prototype to final product in you know six months and, and they're not making 30 million at a time well they are i mean some of them well some but of them they're sell. selling what they're, they're selling what they make they're not right. making ahead of time like samsung but the is. thing is that they can go from product from right. um manufacturing line to store in a week right they're right. only selling or in no China. store at all. They right. sell Whereas it online. Samsung had to build the phone you're going to buy in three months. It has to already be built. Right. Because they don't have that that speed and fluidity. So, I mean, it's it's really interesting when you compare that to something like LG, which takes six months to launch a 
freaking phone. <laughs> you know, we well, heard and they and they're not making that many of them. And they're definitely hey. not making that many. Heyo. So yeah, I mean let's let's um let's give them credit where right. credit nice, is due. N- nice shout out. Samsung, you 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 kept the headphone jack, you've shied away from a notch. And I agree with Daniel, when you change either of those things, it will be when when you, your customers, and the market is ready. You won't yeah. just jump on the bandwagon. I think the the next generation is still going to have a headphone jack, Absolutely, and I I'm do not sure see it. A, I don't see a notch coming to a Samsung nope, phone. Not for a while. I mean, let's also call a spade a spade for a moment, though. Samsung just got uh, past a, a a decision to pay around a billion dollars for poor decisions that it made, sure. you know, seven eight mm-hmm. years ago. Where it decided to copy a lot, a, a large portion of Apple's design. Uh, and, I have my own problems with that, but yeah, yeah, no. I mean, listen, like, but it it is now, it is now a a legal decision. The right. the court of law decided that Samsung did not follow uh, intellectual property, and 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 they, you know, Samsung argued that it was part of the uh, Frand, um, you know, design like mm-hmm. open design ecosystem and and the district court of california disagreed and they kept this going for years and years and years and eventually samsung has to pay and and i mean this is a company that since the galaxy s2 which is what the phone you know the phones the galaxy s and galaxy s2 were the ones that were part of this lawsuit so we're now seven years on from those and this is a company that's learned its lesson many times over I don't know. I, I like what Samsung is doing, even though they're not my favorite phone manufacturer. I, I like what they're doing now. And maybe it's because they learned a lesson. Uh, I'm sure they did learn a lesson and they will do things their own way and will like it. But I, I just appreciate the fact that they're not trying to rush half finished ideas at us. All right, so the last topic that we were going to talk about was was the Time Warner AT and T merger, oh. um, but we just hit a, an hour and a half, and and you know I, I feel like that's my soft uh, limit for these podcasts. Um, even you know if well if, though, if, if people want to listen on, all the power to you. But I don't know if I can talk much more because I'm tired of my own. No, voice. And, and if if we go into AT and T and Time Warner, I've got an hour and a half worth of ranting before <laughs> anybody else gets to speak because. You know what, yeah. then, Jerry, let's double up next week. Let's bring Ara on for this YouTube music, and then we'll split that, and we'll, and we'll talk, uh, we'll okay. talk AT&T I, Time I, Warner. So, I have a feeling that you and I can use every single four-letter word ever imagined <laughs> when we talk about this merger. I, I, I do look forward to that explicit tag on next week's podcast. So I think next week we'll do two podcasts. We'll do one earlier in the week and one later in the week to make up for the fact that we missed last week. Sound good? Sound good. I think that's a great idea. Excellent. All right, you owe perfect. it to the listeners. I do owe it to the listeners. And uh, guys, thank you so much, Jerry, Andrew. It's been a pleasure as always. Same. And um, hope you you have a great weekend. It's uh, it's Friday. If, if we didn't actually say the date. It's it's Friday, June twenty second. <laughs> um, uh, isn't this the first day of summer? Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, I've got or to yesterday. work. I've got to work on my tan. Yeah, you do. I don't know how you, wow. how you could be more beautiful, but uh, you know. Oh, it, it's it. hard, but yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll say hi to your bird. 
because I uh, what's oh, your bird's name? Henry. It's Henry. it's a, it's a she and it's H E N R I. Uh, I didn't name it. She had that name already. But she's nice. she she's not allowed to be in the room when I'm podcasting because she knows all those four letter words. Yeah, yeah, that's a smart bird. We know that. All right, well, say hi to Henry and uh, you guys have a great weekend. And everybody listening, have a great weekend. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Adios. Bye.